Welcome to episode 225 of the Quizzo Trivia Podcast. Nick and Drew back with you for another week of Quizzo goodness. Nick, we're loaded. We're locked and loaded on uh, on an October. Full sheet. Full sheet. It's a full sheet. So let's get right to it. Um, I've been big on cartoon mascots lately. I don't know okay. if you noticed that. I got the Tony the Tiger one right. Yeah. I remember that. There might be a reason for that. I think eventually people might figure out what the reason for that is with my fascination on cartoon mascots recently. Especially, is there a show that... No, just TV ultimately identifiable logos that the whole world seems to know. That's fascinating oh, gotcha, to me gotcha, for a yeah. variety of reasons right now. Yeah, you're wearing a hat with a... Foreshadowing, uh, folks. With a, uh, uh, so, Nick, figure. what cartoon mascot just celebrated his 60th birthday? And there is a missing word that if I add, I think will give you the ultimate of clues. And if you need it, I will give it to you. Well, I don't want you to give me a clue that's going to give it away. Just will give but it I away. I don't have that much to go on. I mean, there's so many cartoon mascots that could be... Food cartoon mascot, but that's not the clue. So, like, the Pillsbury Doughboy? That could work. Is that 60? That, that would work. about, right? That would work. Um, if that's your guess, that's exactly the kind of guess you should be making. Uh, so, it's 1961. 1961. <sighs> Snap, crackle, pop. I feel like they're older than that. I'll give you a hint. And that's three This mascots. hint may be unique to you. There is a rapper with this name. Hmm. Who you know. Who you've met. <laughs> who you've heard me tell stories of. <laughs> they're wonderful stories, Nick. <laughs> Back of a tour bus in Syracuse, New York stories. Yeah. Not with me. So let's be very clear about that. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I can't think of his name. About uh, Charlie Tuna. Charlie Tuna. So if I said what cartoon fish mascot celebrated his 60th birthday, would that have been a, there you a go. much Charlie easier? Tuna. So Charlie Tuna turned 60. Charlie the Tuna. I, th- is still he on commercials still? Eh, Not know. really, right? I don't I know. Like it's I, been a rough. I, I, I feel like it's kind of last kind 30 of years brutal thing because people have realized eventually, like you got this cute cartoon fish smiling at you, but you're killing his relatives and packaging them that, in a that's can. That's probably what it was, man. In the '80s, when we had all of that, like the dolphins were getting caught in the caught tuna, in the tuna nets. nets. Let's not think about them as being fish. 
Let's just think about them as being a can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, we really don't have sense. a lot of sympathy for fish. You know what I mean? No, th- you're right. We, we really don't have a lot of sympathy for shellfish. That's for certain. The, pr- the preparation in like the lo- in the lobster category, like you go in, what else do you pick out that's alive? I, I don't like that store? at all, and yeah. especially not that you can hear them scream. <laughs> like that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Like it's, I literally don't it's, think it's, I've it's touched. The, it's the only animal you would go to a restaurant or a grocery store and buy alive. I, right? I don't like that because it tastes better. Yeah, but I'm totally offended by it. What's wrong with flash frozen lobster tail? It's delicious. I mean, if I just, you, I don't you know. freeze it quick enough. I, I just, the whole thing is, it just seems so. And fish is the only, now they do this way more in Europe, but they actually will serve with the head on and the eyes looking at you. Yeah, I don't want that either. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, bro. I guess we do, I guess we do do that with pigs, like where you would. It's horrible. All right. I do have uh, two more general knowledge questions, and one is another mascot question, so I'll give you the non-mascot after you get me one. Uh, Do you you see who's going to be the oldest man in space? Who is going to become the oldest man in space? 90. 90 years old. I did not. So I I was about to say Bezos because I thought, like, did he... No, this guy is 90. 90 Um, is crazy. Noon... For playing a role in space, who is going to become the oldest man known for playing He's a going role, with role in space? Oh, yeah. my God. One of the great space adventurers of all time. William Shatner? You got it. William Shatner's, Shatner's going, going to the space? Bezos is taking Shatner with him. Yeah, it seems <laughs> about right. right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know he's going to make some space puns. Yeah, is he going to do that, like, fake space, like, in the atmosphere 60 feet above, well, like, that zone? Well, Bezos is the best because there's a whole article comes out about how the work conditions at Blue Origin, how horrible they are. Sure. And all the people working there have these huge complaints. And then the next day, the headline is, William like, Shatner is going to space. space. <laughs> it's like so Did he just see that? I'm like, Let's who get- can we call? Who can we make a story of? Let's get Let's that get PR Captain spin, baby. Let's get Captain Kirk Captain on Blue Kirk. Origin immediately. Oh, my God. And people don't even like him. I think you Shatner? Yeah. I think people like Shatner. I would go with uh, Picard. Okay, not taking Picard to space. He's more worthy. Oh, no, man. Shatner all the way over Picard. I guess he's, he's yeah. Picard looks like he's in good health. I he can make think, the next uh, trip. I don't think uh, Zulu likes... Uh, Sulu likes no, yeah, Shatner. No, no, he does not. But uh, uh, no. George uh, No, he does not like Does him. not like Shatner. Uh, Bill and I have uh, problems. <clears throat> A dry oatmeal. Um, all right, Nick. Lysergic acid diethylamide is better known by what acronym? One more time. Lysergic acid diethylamide is better known by what acronym? LSD? Yes. Right. Did you ever wonder why LSD is LSD? I've seen the name of LSD somewhere, and it is very long. It's, and it's it, not LSD. Lysergic is well, the, the L LS. And the S, yeah, from lysergic. Lys- and then it's LAD. <laughs> like, why, you, why did you call it? L- I guess LAD is a little bit too... Hip? I don't know. They wanted to make it sound more mysterious. But I don't that, know. How- that just bothers me. It's an old Norm MacDonald joke. Like, it, it occurred to him that the abbreviation ID is very strange. Because I stands for I, mm-hmm. and the D stands for identification. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like the D is really doing the heavy lifting <laughs> on that, that one. one. Yeah. yeah. 
So LSD doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, you know. But I don't think most people have any idea what LSD stands for. I know they all know it's called acid. But did you know acids even in the name? No. Right. Well, now you do. I would have thought they just made that up from, like, calling it the acid test or something like that. Right. No, it's actually in the name, LSD. But the LS is lysergic. Lysergic acid. Yep. Diethalamide. Thalamide. Thalamide. All right. Throw something back and I'll give you one more. The matter of Britain. Yeah. Okay. Refers to what legend? The matter of Britain refers to what legend? It's, uh, uh, the Arthurian yeah, legends, like Good. King Arthur. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that referred to as the matter of Britain. You give me Britain and legend, I got two choices. So Harry Potter. Was the, <laughs> the was the word that got you there. Yes. I mean, maybe should I say the matter of Britain refers to what work of art? Or what work? Because work of art, I'm not thinking of. I think legend people have a shot. I think you put anything else, no shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, I never heard it referred to that, but apparently. Oh, I've never heard that expression before. Again, I I had one guess when it came to legends from Britain, and that is King Arthur, which I'm fascinated with. That whole what was real, what wasn't, what came from reality, what didn't. You know, there's there's a lot to it. It refers to because of the real part of that medieval Britain. Yeah. It's the matter of Britain, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was. There was those a lot. Of the round table. The there, there was a lot of those things that existed, and, and that's kind of a new – that's an archaeology aspect I'd be fascinated to to learn a, a little bit more and about. But I do I like think, that. I uh, think – well, before Harry Potter, your most famous uh, wizard. Merlin. Merlin. Merlin right? the Magician, for sure. No, I, I was really into that. Excalibur was a movie that I really enjoyed uh, – my high school teacher, shout out to Jerry Carreri. Can you imagine getting a guy with the name Jerry Carreri to teach you who was like a hippie with a mustache who looked like Rick Moranis that went to a school in West Virginia? And what he used to do is have us read a book and watch the movie and then compare and contrast. What year did Excalibur come out? Because there was a movie. Probably I like loved. 1980. Okay. Something so like that. So that was the one with the lady in the lake. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great it was, movie. It was really well done, but it wasn't over the top with like – because remember how like those seventies movies now. with like Hercules like moving mountains and it was this terrible yeah. like visual. Nah, this one really like it hit home with the visuals. Very oh, that might be worth a rewatch with the kids. Yeah, it was it was long and there's a lot of dark parts. You want to be careful with that yeah. one. Yeah, there's there's a oh, lot yeah. of like there's some incest. <laughs> incest. All right. Yeah, it, 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 it's not it's not all. I think there's a website you could. My wife does it all the time when we go to watch something, and you could go on there before you watch something with your kids. Yeah, like forget, don't forget, like, like a big part of the Arthurian legend is Guinevere and Sir Lancelot, right? Yeah. And the like, uh, the cheating on King Arthur of Sir Lancelot with Guinevere, and like their forbidden romance, and it's like okay. uh, it's ugly. Yeah, I don't like any romance when I'm watching the. <laughs> no, there's a lot of knights and whatever, but there's also like a destitute Lancelot at the end who's lost his mind, and you know, it's it's. We watched uh, Top Gun about a month ago or something, okay. and again, my wife's like, well, what about the part uh, when Tom Cruise and Kevin <laughs> I said, I, re- I fast forward that part anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the worst love scene oh, in, the history, awful. in the history of Hollywood. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, I just watched Field of Dreams uh, with Ava. And she loved oh, it. She liked okay. Field of Dreams quite a bit. All so right, that was that was really I'll that's that a oh that's that holds up in a big way. The only thing I really don't like about that is what a jerk uh, Busby is, or, or the the redheaded guy. So long since I seen you don't it. remember the plot of that? Basically, I like I remember the plot. Yeah, so the guy's in the cornfields, but he's in the cornfields and he hears the voices, so he builds the baseball field. But and then they come but the basically, her brother 
Like the second he builds the baseball field is like, I'm foreclosing on your land and I'm going to take it. Like, you oh, know, man. like my partners want this land. It's like, I can't convince my partners not to take it. We built the bank. No, it's like, dude, chill out. <laughs> Chill out, and and it's the guy from thirty something. I don't remember. It's the guy from thirty something that I like the redhead, and he's just so like crazy in it. And it's like, dude, you're in Iowa. No one in Iowa is got that level of care about anything, about anything, especially not like moguls trying to take this tiny corner acre. New York City, uh, right? Attitude. It's like you're gonna play this like you're you're debating over a billion dollar deal. It's a cornfield in Iowa. Um, all right, so here uh, – did you give me your general yeah. knowledge? Okay, yeah, so here's yeah. my last one. Uh, Nick, there are two M&Ms that are female characters used for ads. Which colors? Give you either one, 10 points. Oh, two M&Ms? You're familiar with the M&M yes. ad commercial again. Mm-hmm. Commercial mascots. Right, right. I, I see the theme here. Um, yeah, LSD and commercial mascots. You can do it all. Sure. <laughs> What's these M&M's And called? we're not done. We have we have yet M&M's another LSD me. question coming up in this quiz somehow, folks. And I have not been doing LSD. All right, so I'm gonna say yellow. Nope. Jeez. Oh, yeah, one more guess though. I feel like the blue one's a boy. Blue one's a boy. Uh, green. Are there even green ones? Green. <laughs> okay. The green yeah. M&M is the first female character. Green and red. Brown. Oh, brown is. Brown is now female. That was oh, recently announced. They, they, oh, changed, they, they changed this. Well, that's why it got green. Green was the only one, and now they added brown because oh, they felt like another female. Yeah, it just felt I mean, like it got to diversify a little bit more, so they got rid of the brand, brown male character who was the bumbling idiot. He was the, oh, I don't know. I'm surprised they didn't go yellow. It seems more of a... Because yeah, that, that bright the, yellow... The, the brown one's kind of... She's got, like, glasses, and she's kind of, you know, hip, and she's, you know... Okay. And, uh, oh, so they changed was, the personality yeah, completely. Yeah, and they, they gave, gave like a whole, whole backstory. I got to be honest with you, I had no idea these M&Ms had personalities sure and had a, a different... Uh, I'm reasonably I, sure John Lovitz is one of them, which I love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I, right, I am. I had no idea. Jealous. That's always a John Lovitz line. It was a, jealous. All right, uh, sports, Nick, sports. Could I go at you first? Because I have yeah. so much, I don't even know what to do. Great. Nick, June 11th, 1970, what major league pitcher threw a no-hitter on acid? 1970? June 11th, 1970, on LSD, he threw a no-hitter. And people think this might be a myth, right? Like, oh, is that really a... No. They interviewed him? Go watch on YouTube the the cartoon made to the interview of Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis! I don't know that you've ever done that before. I think I did it once. You wouldn't have gotten it. But you no, gotten I, it. I, I, dude, I had no idea. I was thinking Catfish Hunter. I don't know. Right, <laughs> fair enough. Nick, <laughs> Nick admitted it. God darn it. I did not know it. So. Yeah. God darn it. You're right. That's it. Teams have gotten me before. They've gotten me to do I was going to guess Gaylord Perry or Catfish Hunter. Nope, I'll, t- nope. I'll tell you right now. Oh, it, all right. So everybody go home now that I just blew that one. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> well, it took 225 yeah, episodes I before I got one out. That, and so. now I'll be extra on guard for the rest of all time. So hopefully it doesn't happen So there's again. a there's video this, I can watch on YouTube. It's, it's amazing. It's a four-minute cartoon of him telling the story. And apparently, like, two days before, he wasn't supposed to pitch. 
they had like a break in the road trip and he said, hey, can I go home? Uh, and when he got to the airport, he just dropped acid, right? Uh, and he took so much acid that he tripped like crazy. He ended up at his best friend's girlfriend's house because it was the only place he could find. And then like she like woke him up the next day and said, hey, you're supposed to pitch. And he goes, no, I'm not. That's supposed to be tomorrow. And she goes, no, it's, it's in the paper. It's today. You've been here an entire day. And so, like, he got up and she helped him to the ballpark and drove him there. And then he found this woman in the stands who gave all the players drugs and used to just sit over the dugout and drop a little pouch of Denny's, like, uppers. Okay. You know, because all the players in the 70s did pills every game. Yeah, like, greenies, right? Greenies, yeah, 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 whatever else. So, so he pops some of those. Documentary, and he uh, has absolutely no idea what the hell's going on. And he gets out to the mound, and literally he can't see anything except he somehow zones in on the strike zone. But he can't even see which batter, what side of the plate they're coming from. Oh, my and God. And he didn't even know what inning he's in. He doesn't even know what's going on. When he threw the last pitch, he didn't even know that it was over. That's <laughs> what say. You never talk to a guy when he's throwing a no-hitter anyway. Right. He so goes, he goes I, re- I remember... Right, I remember like nobody would talk to me except my catcher, and he goes, "You know, you got a no-no. You know, you got a no-no." But he's like, "I don't even remember what he was saying." His face was just going blah 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 blah. Like it's the greatest four minutes. Time to go back out there. It is the funniest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. They didn't have a DH back then either, so he must have hit. Yeah, I I mean, he's he was in the National League anyway. Okay, wouldn't even have mattered. What he was playing San Diego. Love to see Pittsburgh, San Diego. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you didn't I'm sure there's got to be video of it, but you got this four minute cartoon is one of the great watches of all time. They put it to music, so it's like, and he tells this story and gives you all these little details, and your mouth is just like, oh my god. Could you think of any place worse to do acid than an airport? What a what a world people are living in. Oh. All right, what do you got for me, Nick? All right, so. By the way, I'm not going to ask you this because I don't want to get it as a question, but the opposite of Doc Ellis doing acid is Serena Williams being pregnant while winning a tournament. Did you know that oh. she was pregnant? No, which, I did not did, know Which that. tournament, which major did she win while she was I pregnant? I guess the U.S. Open because it's Australian the last one of the Open. year. Oh, okay, so the first yeah, her she first had. Australian, her first child, she was pregnant. Uh, she won the Australian Open while she was pregnant with her first child. Did she know that, and was it known – or she I, did it without I think she knew it, but it was very early on in the pregnancy. But still, I mean, Impressive. so is Doc Ellis. Just different kinds. All right, so I got both football questions for you in sports this week. Great. Um, this question is too hard to ask without a clue, but I'm going to ask, you know, to the, to the public. But I think you got a shot at this. Okay. Who was the last rookie to beat Tom Brady? So we had a lot of excitement last uh, Sunday night. Mac Jones completing 19 straight passes in the rain against Tom Brady. And really had a shot to beat him. Should have won. Should have won. It dinked it off the goalpost. It was just a 56-yard field goal, and they kind of blew that last drive a little bit. Like, could have yeah, got him a should, little closer. Could have gone, gone for it. Yeah. Well, Nick Folk hadn't hit a 55-yarder in, since 2015 Still or something. almost made it. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been the kick of his life. Oh, yeah. Just, absolutely. Know, it's the, the, again, that's the difference between Justin Tucker and Nick and Folk, Folk, folks. Yeah, that's, uh, and it was pouring rain. I don't know. That was if, ridiculous. If you could see the rain. I mean, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was 
Maybe Justin Tucker's like the only guy that could make that. That's crazy. Okay, so the last rookie to beat Tom Brady. Good God. I mean, it's so hard for me to start going back game by game to think about. It's a really hard question. Who has played this guy? But with the clue, it's so obvious. I think that I don't. You know, I don't want a a so obvious. I was thinking the clue is that you specifically might know this. So then, I'm sure you watched the game, Mark Sanchez. No. Okay. Uh, But you're on the right track. It's a jet. It's a jet. So the the question, you know, what New York Jet was the last rookie to beat? You remember beating Tom Brady with a jet, rookie. Well, I can I can start eliminating a lot of guys. Because <laughs> you remember that I can, yeah, I can tell you which rookies I had that didn't. So, for example, the process of elimination. So, for example, Chad Pennington is not the answer. He's not the answer because he played one game in the end of the season in a Vinny Testaverde year against Jacksonville. So Looked great. If but, you know this much about the New yeah. York Jets, yeah, so this question so, is so for we gotta, you. We, yeah, we, we gotta <laughs> gotta go down memory lane here. Uh, you already told me it's not Mark Sanchez. Um, God, we've had so many terrible quarterbacks. Uh, go with uh, Sam Darnold. Nope. Mm. Sam Donald did not beat Tom Brady. Nah, I don't know. That's for sure. I, I don't know, but I, I don't remember beating Tom Brady. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember. Here's what I remember. I remember getting Folks, this him. This is the problem with being a Jeff fan. You can't even remember the good times. No. Like, you had a rookie quarterback that beat Tom Brady. Probably didn't even register. Because, and, and, again, did no that guy amount to a hill of beans? Not even famous for most famous for being a football player, I would say. Most famous for a, a locker room incident. <laughs> Oh, so Geno Smith. Smith. I was going to guess that, but that was about the first thing to come out of my mouth, but as a joke, right? <laughs> as a pure in, Smith. Right, I, right, as a pure ingest, like, oh, ha, ha, oh, I've got, I've got a name. The last rookie to beat Tom Brady was Geno Smith. I was like, oh, I can't wait to ask Drew this on the podcast. Put it this way. I would have eventually would named him as the last choice of every rookie that I could yeah, remember. He and, but he was also... On a terrible team, and we were never good with him. And Not a lot of good memories with Gino Smith. I don't have one. I, I have one. I.K. Encompale breaking his <laughs> face in the preseason and, like, not even giving him a chance to come. Like you are a no-name defensive back, right? You, and you cracked just the starting quarterback in the face. The starting quarterback's face. <laughs> and Buffalo signed him. <laughs> they were like, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, boy. All right. So I have uh, a great baseball and a great football question. Nick, what do you want first? Let's go baseball first. Okay. The Yankees and Red Sox have played 24 postseason games in their history, Nick. How many wins do the Red Sox have? How many wins? So you're, you're telling me 0 to 24? You're not giving me a clue. There's no range. The Yankees within. and Red Sox have played 24 postseason games in their history. I, I know this. Okay. I know it exactly. It's 12. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe, isn't that crazy? Can you believe they are tied 12. 12 and 12? You would think the Yankees are 20 and 4. four right. <laughs> right. Oh, Yankees. Because we all remember the four. Uh, the that's correct. The one time they came back. We from all remember three. the four. But, yeah, all time. The Red Sox are dead even with their arch rivals in postseason What's victories. What's crazy is they've played each other, you said 24 times? Yep. And they played each other 14 times 
in back-to-back seasons. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. wasn't the Aaron Boone home run, was that in a game seven? Yeah, sure was. I was there. I watched it happen. Okay, so that was a game seven, yep. followed by the following year, the Red Sox down 0-3 coming back. back. That's seven. In the greatest baseball series That's in history, right? 14 of the 24 games. Yeah, so they only played <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> That's other, but within that 12-month yeah. Well, the famous period. one's the Bucky Dent. Right one from, from that was back the in the day. Yeah, yeah, playing. So there's, you know, and then we just had another famous game. Uh, yeah, by the way, I love this plan. When they announced uh, that they were going to do this. Brilliant. I was like, how do you go 162 games and then decide it by one? And it's, you shouldn't have been there anyway. You didn't win your division. Yeah. So it's a gift. It's a great. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. I love it. It's, it. It really brings the excitement level up. Last day of the season, you got. No idea yeah, what's going to happen in all the games coming in. Yeah, can you get can you get the yes. wild card with your ace ready Bur- to pitch? Brilliant job in baseball. Game. I think what it does is it really heightens the drama going into the playoffs. Absolutely, and and that's what you need. Baseball thrives in playoff time. That's the most exciting part of the sport by far. So good on you, baseball, for making the right decision. What do you got for me, Nick? Okay, who was the last defensive player Ooh. named most valuable player of the NFL? Was the last defensive Woodson? Is he still the guy? <laughs> that was an answer for a while. Woodson? No, yeah. he's high. He, he's the guy. The last defensive player was the Heisman. Oh yeah. yeah this is right. NFL MVP. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Woodson was defensive player of the year. It's a different award. <laughs> this is the NFL MVP, last defensive player to win it. Lawrence Taylor. You got it. Yeah, even farther back than that. Wow, it's crazy. Crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, we got to change the name of the award to the offensive MVP. MVP yeah, it's just not fair. you got to have a defensive MVP and an offensive like, MVP. How did Ray Lewis not win it back with that uh, 2000 Ravens team? If you go look at the year Taylor won it, what he did, <laughs> it was like no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. He was such the best player was in the, the NFL year that they year. Won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think it was 86, right? Yeah, well, that's I'm the year they won sure. the Super Bowl, yeah. But yeah, the like we'll bring up these statistics. I'll see if I could find those. Uh, let's see what he did. Oh my god! All right, so 1986. Let's let's take a look at these asterisks and see what they say. Um, let's see. Oh, all he had, Nick, that year was 20 and a half sacks. Okay. So that must have been a record, right? Yes. I think that record stood all the way till... Or was it Gastineau's? What was the... Um, didn't Gastineau have the record? He might have gotten it afterwards. I don't know. But 20 and a half sacks is, is absolutely ridiculous. No interceptions, no forced fumbles. I don't know if they kept... Uh, if they kept stats for, uh, if they kept stats for his uh, yeah MVP award, yeah. So Strahan's twenty two and a half is the record now, right? But who who had the the record? Because I remember Strahan didn't he beat it when Favre went down yeah, and then yeah it was a total cheap hit? sack yeah, yeah he basically gave him the record he didn't even. It was like un- literally an uncovered sack. No one even guarded Strahan off the edge, and Favre just and Favre just went down. Went down, right? Uh, hmm. Well, that's your phone chiming in. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. Uh, was Gastineau in that conversation? Did he have it for a while in between? Uh, 
I thought it was Gastineau's record that Strahan broke for some reason, but I could be wrong. I, 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 we got to look that up. All-time sacks. Individual season. Let's see what we've got. Uh, most sacks in a single NFL year. Right, it was definitely straight. Strahan won Justin Houston with 22. Jared Allen with 22. Mark Gastineau with 22. There you go. Chris so Dolman with 21. Reggie White with 21. Aaron Donald with 20 and a half. J.J. Watt with 20 and a half. And Lawrence Taylor with 20 and a half. There you go. So, so it was Gastineau's record of 22. Yep. Jared Allen broke it first. Then Justin Houston broke that. Then Michael – I'm sorry. No, no. Strahan got to 22. 22 and a half. half. Right. Yeah, so – those Allen guys, and Houston never broke it. Right. They got to 22, but right. they got that after Strahan had it. Yeah, so the record stood from 1984 until 19 or till 2001. Yeah, when it went down. And in fairness, oh yeah, that's total BS because he broke it by a half a sack, and that sack shouldn't and that even count. That sack was right. garbage. <laughs> All right, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, here's my last question for you, Nick. There's only one head coach in NFL history to win 100 games with two different franchises. Who was it? Okay. 100 games with two different two franchises. Two different franchises. Was he there long enough? Andy Reid. Andy Reid right. is the correct answer. Just did it. Hit his 100th win with Kansas City a couple weeks ago. It doesn't seem like he's been there long enough to win 100. But that successful, that long, you know, seven years? It's got to be more than that, right? Yeah, to get to 100 wins? How long has he been in KC? Well, that, that's I'm thinking he's got to be there nine years to get to 100 wins, right? Because that's over 11 wins a season. Yep, that's true. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Kansas I mean, City started in uh, 2013. So that means this is eight years. Yeah. Jeez. It's <laughs> a lot of wins. A lot of wins. How's that possible? Dude. You're telling me he's winning 13 games a year? Pretty well, much. I guess if this year, so 12, get you to 96, and then this year, just short. Yeah, man, that's a lot of wins. Andy Reid, With Alex baby. Smith for a majority of that time, too. Absolutely. All right, so uh, what do you got Good for room. me in the sports world? I'm done with sports. Gave okay, let's story. go into geography history, then. Fire away. Right. Give me your first. Uh... All right, so you were just there. Okay. So I'm honing in on you here. Oh, boy. Chicago's Magnificent Mile. Yeah, I love it. Is a shopping district on what street? God, I know the name of it now. I'm blanking, but I didn't even go to that. You didn't go to... shopping? No. <laughs> God. Oh. I can give you a clue if you need it. It's a person's name, isn't it? It's a state. Michigan Avenue. You got it. Yeah, there we go. Okay, it jogged it out. It jogged it out. It was in there somewhere. Yes, Michigan Avenue. Yeah, and Chicago's awesome, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, I had, I had a great ex- I did the most 40 Chicago hours a human being could do, culminating with meeting Frank Thomas at O'Hare Airport That's after he just bought the Field of Dreams <laughs> and uh, sitting down and chatting with him. So that was absolutely nuts. All right, Nick, this is an interesting question, and it's tough. Um but I, I think you can get it with the clue if you need the clue, but maybe you know it if you don't. There's only one U.S. president that once lost an election but won the popular vote. So now it's happened four times, okay? Right. But none of the other three 
became U.S. president or were a U.S. president. This guy was a U.S. president, okay? He won the popular vote but lost the election. All right. And then there's one thing I can tell you that will four times where they didn't become the pre- like wait. like Hillary Clinton won the popular vote but lost yeah. the election. Like there have been candidates that have won the popular okay. vote but lost. But this guy is the only time a president won the popular vote but lost the election. Gotcha, gotcha. So this person, if, if I'm understanding correctly, this person won the popular vote. Correct. Lost the election. Correct. But then became the president in a different election. Correct. Okay. All right, so now I, now I understand what you're... All right, so I got a guy that comes to mind immediately. But why... This stuff wouldn't make any sense. Did he win the popular vote? Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get a better guess than Richard Nixon. Nope. It's Grover Cleveland. Oh. And remember how he won non-consecutive yes. terms? So he was he, the president. He was president. He lost the election. And then ran again. And, and then ran. came back afterwards and ran again. Gosh, I'm surprised I didn't know that. Yeah, well, it's, I, I was shocked as well. Because he's the only guy that served two non-consecutive terms. terms. But that's why. He won his re-election in terms of popular vote, but lost the election because of electoral college. Yeah, I knew that he lost and then won again. I just didn't know that it was... A popular vote. Interesting like, guy. One of one of the guys you don't hear a lot about, but an interesting guy. Ohio, right? No? Oh, New Jersey? Jersey. Yeah, that's right. Grover Cleveland, New Jersey. Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Grover Cleveland, New Jersey. Grover Cleveland, Alexander. Uh, Ohio? <laughs> Starting pitcher. <laughs> Starting pitcher for Cleveland Indians. <laughs> I don't know who don't he know. started for, but... Well, uh, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's got a... Let's see. Hellafane uh, pitcher named after Grover Cleveland. Uh, Grover, Cleveland, Alexander. Let's get his career. Uh, Pete Alexander. That's his real. That's his real name, I guess. Holy moly, dude! Pitched from 1911 till 1930, Nick. That's a good career. That's a good career. Uh, and where was he born? Nebraska. So, oh well. What are you gonna do? He's not from New Jersey or from Ohio. He's from Nebraska. Nope, just named after Grover Cleveland. That's right. All right. I uh, got a geography history question for me. I do. Another street. Another famous street. The Champs Elysees. In France. In France. Viva la France. It's home to what famous monument? Uh, the Arc de Triomphe. Oh. West End Did you know there's like a full. Uh, the uh, there is a full. Uh, what do you call it, uh, replica of the Statue of Liberty right off there on a little island that you can go visit, like a full life-size, but it's it's much smaller than the Statue oh, of okay, Liberty, right, but right. it's it's crazy. Like if you go on the sh- uh, right off that road, uh, in the water is like an island with the Statue of Liberty right there, and you can go visit it. Oh, it's, it's crazy. I'll show you a picture on Google Earth. You're like, huh. Well, they did give us the... Uh... They gave us the original, but they kept this. All right, so Nick, which African country was formerly known as Abyssinia? Abyssinia, A-B-Y-S-S-I-N-I-A. I got nothing on this, so I'll say Liberia. It's Ethiopia. Ah. So the historical name of Ethiopia is Abyssinia. Okay. I'm going to give multiple choice, I think. Yeah, I had, I had that one I had no idea. I didn't either, but apparently it was called that for like, Thousands of years, and I was like, huh, I never heard that one before. All right, uh, I'm ready for entertainment, unless you got more geography history. Yeah, let's go to entertainment. All right, do it.
From what language does the word disco originate? <laughs> this is what great. This is, this is a great co- question does for because it's sort of geography, history, bridging into entertainment. Originate. Discography. Latin? Nope. Yeah, if it was that, it would be too obvious. So, jeez. Spanish? So, the word disco right. is a shortened form of the word discotheque. German? Which was a play on the word bibliotech, which is what they call libraries. In Spanish. In French. Oh, well, biblioteca is a library in Spanish, too. Well, it's also a bibliotheque in French. And then they started these clubs. Discotheque. Right, they called albums discs, right? So discotheque was what they called. Like a house of albums, like a place where you would. They called these like nightclubs in the 40s or 50s discotheques. So then when it became disco, they... The history the of disco, folks. Could have we, could we have done without it? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Was it a good, was it a good part of the, uh, uh, well, we of the experience? Tony Manero dancing to Staying Alive. I don't think At the could. car wash, babe. <laughs> yeah, there's, some, there's something to it. All right, uh, I got some good entertainment for you, Nick. Uh, uh, we're in that part of the world, so I'll give you this one first. What famous Czechoslovakian director, so not quite the French, but you know, not too far away, is famous for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus? Uh, one more thing. What famous Czechoslovakian director directed classics One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus? Amadeus, Jeez. Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. I'm again, surprised I don't know who directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I know he won Best Director for it. Yeah. But I don't know his name. Yeah. And Amadeus, I wouldn't know. I, also I know critically it won acclaimed. Best, I know it won Best Picture. Yeah, right? critically acclaimed. It's yeah. funny because, um, you know, I, I, I've mentioned multiple times in the entertainment round about Norm MacDonald last three weeks, little tributes, right? So this is a question you would think to yourself, how the hell does this have anything to do with Norm MacDonald? Right. They were really close friends. And when he worked at Saturday Night Live, this director, whose name I didn't just give you, like Is his I first did, name John. No, okay. no. Um, well, do, Czechoslovakian. Do, so do you want it? Yeah, I, I don't right. know. Milos Forman. Okay, I didn't Milos Forman. So, story goes, he became friends with Norm when he did a Saturday Night Live thing sometime, and he just loved Norm. And Norm was like, he would go to dinner at Nobu once a week with Milos Forman. And they would have these deep conversations with all these people around him. And Norm just had no idea what the hell was going on. And, then, and, me, and Milos would be like, I live under three regimes. Don't you care about free speech? And Norm's like, I don't care about that. Who cares about that? <laughs> like, like, I just never even, it's like one time, I just like try to come up with something like pivy to say from like some, you know, Les Jeans de Quebec, some, some, some. French Revolution thing I knew, and like these guys went on for 35 minutes, and I was just like, oh. So anyway, long story short, in in, in a Milos Forman like 14 part short story that he did for HBO, Norm Macdonald shows up in a role as like a doctor in like like 18th century England for like 30 seconds. <laughs> just, I'm looking at his credit. What the hell? He's like like in. God, I forgot what it was, but it's just the most English thing of all time. And you, like, you could go through every actor you would ever expect to see in this, and this would—he'd be the last person you'd ever name. <laughs> and he gets this weird cameo. Well, that's funny. Um, yeah. So anyway, so Milos Forman. All right, um, last one for you. Can you name me the highest-grossing Broadway musical of all Ooh. time? 
Where's That's great because my question is a highest grossing type question too. Okay. So look at look at us. Finish it. Uh, highest grossing. Broadway. Highest grossing. Okay, so I could probably my go. my gut my gut tells me there's only like three potential answers here, right? right? So it's either going to be Phantom of the Opera, it's going to be uh, Les Misérables, okay. or it's going to be Cats. Okay, they're not right. None of those are right. No. That's crazy. So I, I could give you the clue then. Yeah. What to. Disney oh. musical is the highest grossing? Lion King. Yeah, you got it. How, how atrocious is that for Broadway? That, I'm, I'm, that makes me gross. sad, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make me happy. Yeah. That's not an answer I wanted to. Disney musical. That's, yeah, well, because it also means thing. that they were charging more money. Than anybody, but like, more for money God's sakes, dude. Like, Phantom of the Opera. Like, Lion King. Lion King. Phantom's not even top two, which is crazy. What's Wicked is number two. Oh yeah, I would have got like if I was going modern, I would have said like Wicked, Stomp. Um, what's the other one? Rent? Huge, you know, yeah, run on Broadway. Long enough to be yeah. in that category, though. It was cr- extremely critically acclaimed. All right, so folks, we'll end it on this one because this is uh, apropos. I always like apropos stuff. Uh, Daniel Craig. Is the most successful James Bond in history based on box office gross, Nick? Okay. Who is second? Pierce. And I'll tell you, it's a battle. Pierce Brosnan. You're all over it. You got it. Pierce Brosnan, number two. And but not just that far ahead of uh, of uh, Sir Sean. Because he just uh, didn't do as many movies. Yeah. But yeah, the more ticket prices are more, so everything. But Daniel Craig is more. like. Double Pierce Brosnan. It's like not even close. He's the king of Bond. So I think he's going to go down as the most Bond Bond. Don't you? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. No, I because just... those Sean Connery ones don't really hold up. They're not They're not super watchable. They're not no. like, nah, they're not good. <laughs> I've, I've gone back. I've tried. I feel like I liked uh, Goldfinger and Dr. No. Eh. Mm. Eh. I think. I think uh, Roger, Roger, Roger Craig's a running back. Yes. Daniel Craig. Yeah, Roger Craig was awesome. Was San like, Francisco 49ers. I feel as though Daniel Craig has been playing Bond for a long he has. period of time. I, I just, I like the way his movies have been done the most. I'm not sure I like him the most. I would have loved to see Pierce doing it this way. Well, Casino Royale was, was maybe awesome. the best one. It's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. And and again, like what was great about that too is like it he didn't had have one to get to like and I don't remember which one it was whether it was Skyfall or Quantum of Solace. I feel like there was one that was boring. I liked Skyfall. So maybe it was Quantum of Solace that was boring. Yeah, or... I didn't like that as much. Okay. Um I liked Skyfall. Yeah, I thought that was uh, you know, Skyfall was a little bit I don't know. It's again, I liked his body of work, but I I just liked the style in which the Bond films were being made more so than I even cared about his performance. Does that make sense? Like if you go back and and I'll tell you what's a what's one that was good that kind of got under the radar, but it was a total like if you wanted to make a Bond movie like a Miami like a elongated Miami Vice episode, that's how this movie plays, but with Timothy Dalton's Bond movie. Yes. Like the one that he did. I think he did two. Might have done two. Did Timothy Dalton do one or two? I think he did more than one. I want to say he did more than one. Are you thinking of The Living Daylights? Is that is that the one? Let's see. Yeah, The Living Daylights, 1987. Yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. And I thought it was like the most 80s Bond movie you could that, ever do. Was Christopher Walken yeah. the, the bad guy in that one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that was a great one. I love Christopher Walken. He's so yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. 
That is it, folks, for episode 225 of the Quizzo Trivia Podcast for Nick. My name this is has been the Quizzo week out there. Trivia Podcast. Visit us online at quizzopodcast.com for more information. Still having himself a ball.